Borak Dung, Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and this is the ninth episode of Space Spinner Reaction, a podcast where we try to make sense of the UK Zone classic comic action, three issues at a time. This episode, we're covering action for July and August 1976, issues 25 to 27. This episode, uh, Dredger deals with American politics. Uh, <laughs> Hookjaw is on TV. Taggart deals with Rico. And Hellman is fighting on the Eastern Front. Watch out for vampires. <laughs> but besides the actual action, this episode we got a special guest host, Peter Adamson of the Where Eagles Dare and Beyond the Sofa podcast. Welcome to the show, man. Hope you're enjoying our coverage of action. Thank you. Hi, Conrad. Yes, I very much am. Fantastic. Did you read Action um, when, when it was originally coming out, low these many years ago? No, no, I didn't read Action at all. Dave um, from Where Eagles Dare is the action expert, and I think you'll probably be talking to him in due course. But um, it's, it's always been that sort of that sort of um, bad big brother um, uh, yeah. sort of lurking in the pages. <laughs> I've got through all power overload. And, of course, you know, they, they, they talk a bit about that. So, uh, yeah, I'm aware that there's a bit of a history here. Yeah, that's definitely what inspired me to do this show. I must say, like, all of the, like, histories of 2000 AD always talk about action and the different stories in it and stuff. So I was really like, well, what is this thing? Because it's, it's very hard to sort of find coverage of it as a, you know, mm. beyond sort of people just sort of talking about, like, the inciting incident for the censorship and other things yeah. like that. So I, I was, I'm really stoked just to kind of, you know, it's, it's, or it's been a real, it's been a real hoot, like reading all these different stories <laughs> and just seeing what, what's up with them and stuff. Definitely. It really um, is a different kind of publication, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's so different from 2000 AD for sure. Yep. Oh, I, I actually really, you know, you guys do the Where Eagles Dare podcast. That's about the, uh, the early 80s or starting starting with the uh, early 80s part of the relaunch of uh, of eagle and eagle feels mm. a little bit more like action to me honestly just with all of its different features and things like that I, and it's got more sort of short comics and things sort of you know like the, the quick storytelling that's a little bit more action than 2080 i guess mm. yeah i guess there's also an element of uh, of as you say, sort of the departments and, and, and people on the street and, and keeping an eye out on the, on the real world. But in fact, with Where Eagles Deer is now, um, Dave and I have just finished the, uh, the photo strip era of, of Eagle. And with the format change, there's a big change within the, the pages of uh, the comic as well. So um, that's to an aspect, um, uh, yeah, true to Eagle. But um, mm-hmm. but then Eagle is, is, was never constant either. So interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how these. I mean, I, that's that's what I've noticed. I've been going over some of the old uh, two, uh, Space Spinner episodes, and it's definitely interesting seeing how how 2080s changed sure. over the course of the years. We we we've seen it. You know, action never got a chance to change, unfortunately. <laughs> but <laughs> this sort of initial well, version like, is still it, fun. It got a big chance to repent, of course. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right yeah so mm. you know man there's so much great stuff in these stories uh let's get started with things that are just super ridiculous with story one dredger and uh you know where eagles dare excellent podcast about recapping british comics I'm always happy to share the load with people who I trust to uh, be able to handle it. So uh, take it away, Peter. <laughs> Thank you, Conrad. So Dredger, yeah, issue 25, The Noose of Death. We've got a subtitle. Uh, we're in Los Rios, South America, where masked gunmen have stormed the British embassy. Night falls, and as local police are unable to intervene, 
Dredger and Braid have been assigned. <laughs> Thank you. I think that's how it's pronounced. Dredger. Yeah, you got to say it like you're an angry, um, like like official who's sort of cursing him because he plays by yeah. his own rules, but he still gets results. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Dredger. Yeah. Uh, so the embassy is in trend. Uh, pit- the embassy is impenetrable, but Dredger has a plan and orders a color. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the embassy is impenetrable, but Dredger has a plan and orders a helicopter in 15 minutes. Are you sure, guys? A helicopter? Uh, meanwhile, he's been overheard by an agent of the terrorists outside who phones his allies to warn them. But Dredger has overheard him. And at gunpoint, the snitch reveals the assailants to be the Schiller gang, hoping to free Gustav Schiller, an international thug in Pokey, back home. So it's a hostage swap. Also, Should have known he was evil because he had that great beret, you know. That's how you oh, can tell. Totally, totally. And he just sort of slopes off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, the helicopter plan is off for the moment. Uh, so into the sewers, because that's always your plan B. Of course. Uh, Dredger and Breed go. <laughs> they swim under the building and enter it. Uh, Dredger sees two gunmen and goes off after them, removing his flippers first, which is uh, health and safety. Uh, and uh, silently, <laughs> he and Breed do the deed. <laughs> uh, they free a grateful first secretary, uh, but above, that helicopter finally arrives with SAS troops. The Schiller gang on the roof riddle them with bullets as they rope down, but ah, they're just dummies. You're the dummies, friends. Oh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dredger and Breed fake out the leader, uh, but um, uh, but they uh, they take everybody out, um, but they detain one for questioning uh, as their next target. Um, they want to know where they're going to strike next. He right. won't squeal, so uh, Dredger grabs a spare hood uh, from the uh, from the terrorists, runs a rope up the embassy flagpole, which has um, the Union Jack at the cop, and uh, prepares a noose. Uh, All right. Surprise, surprise. He squeals. <laughs> and the next target, the embassy in Paris, is safe. Thanks to Dredger. Gets yelled, gets yelled at for using the Union Jack as a torture device, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's, a heavy, there's a heavy theme of improvisation in these issues, I have to say. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, next issue, uh, Dredger and Breed's next mission is orders from the U.S. president himself to uh, take out a turbulent governor. It's uh, ridiculous. This is, this is ridiculous. I was like, oh, I don't know. I was, is... I was super angry about this story. <laughs> I'm sure you were. I don't like this imperialism when it affects me. Thank you very much. You know. This is not us. <laughs> uh, so this is Governor Bean. The whole thing sticks to high heaven, uh, but money's good. And so they head to the Democratic Convention in Ohio to get their man. At the convention, I guess it's like the primaries, is it, Comrade? Well, yeah, yeah. The convention's what happens after at the end of the primaries where the like the parties sort of say this is going to be our final who, – who's going to stand for like the Democrats, the Republicans mm. as, as president. And, yeah, because there are lots of names here. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, oh. it's totally the 76 one. So like <laughs> there's a bunch of signs for like uh, – for Carter and other stuff like that for mm. sure. Yeah, so Carter's uh, the name that's drawn. Uh, but as it's read, a gun barrel appears mid-circle from Candidate Brown's sign. <laughs> and, and Bean is down. Yeah, uh, well, Dredger. and he does it. I, I, I want to say it's like a big thing about these conventions is they always have, like, you know, all the states have votes and stuff. So that a big part of the convention is sort of each state comes up, says like a little thing about their state and then nominates somebody, you know? So like, yeah, mm-hmm. like the, the great state of Georgia is full of peach trees and we nominate, you know, whoever for president. And so 
And so, like, Dredger assassinates this governor as he's giving, like, Illinois' nomination for president. If this happened, it would, like, destroy, like, I, I, <laughs> it's, imp- it's completely improbable. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say. That's what you're reading about in the comic. There would be, like, five <laughs> movies about it. That's what I'm trying to say. But anyhow. Um, um, speaking of outrage, uh, uh, um, Conrad, I, I want to know, um, how do you feel about Dredger performing the hit while wearing an Uncle Sam hat? I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a huge connection to Uncle Sam myself, but it does like just a, a dirty Brit, you know, some guy coming in, wearing our hats, killing our governors. Don't appreciate it, you know? Well, but I'll tell there you who it else is, doesn't I guess. appreciate it. <laughs> who else doesn't appreciate it is the uh, bystander that Dredge hands a smoking gun to. Here, grab this, pal. <laughs> I'm oh doing an God. American accent for Dredger, yeah. and that's just not right. Sure, yeah, grab this, pal. <laughs> and the crowd descend on the would-be assassin. Dredger yeah. and Breed make their escape, and they head down an alley. And Dredger makes the count. Three, two, one. And then they spin around, shooting and taking out two CIA hitmen sent to silence them. <clears throat> deeper, Fair deeper. enough, I guess. Yeah, this is like, there's a lot of intrigue <laughs> here, for sure. Yeah. As the last one dies, he says it was an order from the president's aide, L. Lans- Lansdom? Lansdowne. Yeah. Yeah. Lansdowne. Bean, meanwhile. Yeah. Uh, Bean, meanwhile, is far from entirely dead, but he'll need a miracle. Ooh, that Lansdowne. He ought to fry. Yeah, with chips. <laughs> they crash a private party at Lansdowne's mansion, entering with a five-knuckle invite. And in- inside, Dredger finds Lansdowne and hurls a nearby old glory at him, spearing him cold. That's awesome. <laughs> Pretty cool. The details sort of lost in the bird balloons. You've got to sort of look for it, but um, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we find out that Lansdowne had uh, forged the presidential order to get the governorship, uh, but now Bean needs his miracle. Uh, so uh, Dredger and Breed hit the hospital, uh, and Breed is yeah. astonished to find the governor's so alive and well. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> whatever. Reading, reading the paper. <laughs> Dredger knew the whole bean business had a nasty smell about it and convinced him to play dead. Breed realizes he killed a man just doing his duty. But Dredger says so is he. And with a little money he made on the side, he could have half and buy yeah. a nice $500 headstone. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I don't like, it. not only did, like, not only did, did like, these gov- these MI MI six no what DI six guys agree to assassinate an American politician for money, but now mm. they faked it and Breed's just sharing that or Dredger just sharing that money with Breed for whatever. <laughs> like, listen, like I know, like I've largely like, like previous Dredgers they've killed like at least like seven presidents have been killed so far in Dredger. A lot of them have, but they've yeah. all been like for fictional countries and stuff. The fact that it's like America's really got me. I'm I'm hot now. Like I'm as I'm as angry as when those Americans were the bad. Guys, in that we could in that in that we could Hellman a couple weeks a couple episodes ago. Like I don't appreciate this stuff, you you lousy Brits. So what you're saying is you'd like a change of location? Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go somewhere okay, else. So next- oh no, everybody's being hung. Yes. <laughs> the next story is that Ops fell to checkpoint in East Germany, and Dredger and Breed, as Conrad says, are being hanged. <laughs> this is the greatest cold open I've ever seen in my life. Yes, very cold opening. Um, while some uniformed heavies at the border post pull on their legs, what's going on? Flashback. A day earlier, Dredger and Breed free imprisonment uh, at uh, Gepo headquarters, uh, the East German police, uh, where they've also swiped an envelope with DI6 plans. 
as they uh, bust out, a civilian policeman tries to accost them, not very well, and his mistake as Dredger KOs him and takes his gun, blasting the oncoming guards. A Gepo officer, uh, Major Steiner, uh, disciplines the eye-patched survivor, and miles away, Dredger and, and Breed uh, kip for the night. Uh, by morning, they take out a passing Gepo sidecar uh, motorbike, and the driver is killed instantly. <laughs> uh, Dredger orders Breed to take the passenger into the woods, um, kill him, and take his uniform, but Breed hesitates. Doesn't seem right. As he always uh, does, yeah. Yeah. Um, later on, uh, they reach the Obsfeld checkpoint, uh, but their disguise is rumbled by an obvious informant, Breed's living victim. He was mm. only knocked out. <laughs> uh, Steiner arrives and takes the envelope, and as the two agents are strung up to meet their maker on the late shift gallows, he opens it, and it detonates. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I don't know why. They've just gone full Inspector Gadget here. Just the exploding yeah, yeah. paper, all that stuff, you know. Uh, it kills him. It severs the rope. It may as well give them a change of underwear at the same time. Uh, Dredger had switched the envelope with an explosive dummy. The real one went to Whisperloon with their eye-patched collaborator. So he was the, uh, the, uh, the uh, police officer. Yeah. Uh, Dredger and Breed were not just were just the decoys. Uh, but Dredger didn't tell Breed the whole story. You're soft, Breed. And in this game, the soft die young. Dredger! Well, and then Breed says, and then Breed, Breed thinks, yeah, I'm not hard and dirty like you, Dredger, which is, like, kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love But the, he gets like, the job done. Yeah. Of course he gets the job done. He's how he, he gets results. <laughs> I love Dredger. It's so amazing. Just everything is just balls-to-wall action. <laughs> so, Bare- uh, where you go, Steer, we've, we've just got one-eyed Jack, um, mm-hmm. who is like Dredger Light. <laughs> But not I, much lighter. Yeah, I, 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 I was telling, I was saying on um, before we started the show that I feel like all of these different like British comic characters are all part of the DNA of Dread. They're all like his ancestors, one way or another. You know, a, a tough sure. one-eyed New York cop, a, a British secret agent, all sort of ending up to the ultimate um, no nonsense, no nonsense anthology comics <laughs> badass. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah, of course. You, you know, of course. whatever. It's you know, he if just because he's in the future, so he sort of ends up being the the final one because that's you know because of timing, you know. Mm. Mm. But speaking of people going through dangerous situations in Germany, it's <laughs> story two: Green's Grudge War. Ah, uh, yes, by notorious GFD. That's uh, Jerry Finley Day, out by Balladinelli. All right, yeah, early early Balladinelli. But, uh, but lovely, all the same. Absolutely. Uh, so we open in barracks where Green and Bold are fighting over the bedclothes and the tidiness thereof. The Sergeant Major, Bold's cousin, is about to make an inspection, and for their slovenliness, he drills them into a full kit run around the grounds. Uh, but at the CO's office, there are plans for Green and Bold. They're to fly in on a small prop fighter to provide covering fire while the pilot picks up a French agent behind enemy lines. The twist? It's a one-way mission, and they have to find their own way back. The plane lands with the frog already under fire, and with half an hour, Bold has nearly emptied his clip of ammo. Uh, there's bitching and grousing all the way through, of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> they charge the last of the krauts, ones looking suspiciously simian, <laughs> and uh, wipe them out, miraculously. Um, they find a river, and they find a boat, and they reach the coast, but are met by a fishing boat with a German shooter on it, uh, yeah. without a single bullet. I just sort of think about this. I thought it was a gunboat, and then I realized it was it was like a trawler. Yeah, it's not clear like why 
or I, I, I guess it was a German fishing boat or something. So I, I, I guess it had a, sh- a soldier on it, but this seemed kind of unnecessary almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Green um, uh, 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 pulls up alongside the vessel and swings its mounted gun around to take out the gunner. And then they don't take that boat, but they carry on across the channel in their rowboat. Yeah, they just they because, straight up row to England. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> the next day... <laughs> The CO and the Sergeant Major lament the loss of Green and Bold. Uh, but then a truck pulls up and both men get out. Late the next morning, there's another bed inspection. But two men are exempt. Green and Bold, side by side, sleeping like angels. Oh, I like this one. This is a nice a, a nice Green's Grudge War. <laughs> they sort of like the two of them end up kind of actually being kind of friends because they're just so exhausted from having to escape from enemy lines. Yeah, this is sort of, it's less it's like, like wish fulfillment. Yeah, it's it's less like green sort of stewing anger and more just like bickering while they accomplish a task, which I think is is, yeah. is nice. And like a married couple. Yeah, um, a married couple that, sort of that like... occasionally plots to kill one another. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, the next missions are raised on a French town where uh, green and bold are pinned down um, in a machine gun nest by arriving Jerry's. Um, uh, bold radios for help, uh, but no one answers. Uh, it was a rather freaky um, uh, panel of, of the radio just sort of yeah. crackling away and corpses <laughs> all around it. Um, and then a Stuka arrives to clean up the rescue boats. And then a tank rumbles into town and gives them the order to surrender. Jeez. Bold stays and uh, a greed slips out, meeting a partisan on the way. So he abandons his mate. Um, uh, but the partisan, uh, the, uh, the French resistance, can give him shelter. Uh, from the bolt hole, he sees the paraded POWs. Bold's not among them, and uh, uh, Green assumes he's dead. Uh, but at night, uh, Green slips out from um, into the uh, into. But at night, Green slips out of town uh, to the camp to stage a rescue. He's greeted in the cabins by news that Bold has also broken in. Oh, <laughs> they're guns bold. for everyone. <laughs> they're bold. Oh, he brought guns. <laughs> but Green says he's arranged for boats. <laughs> but Bold ah, has right. as well. <laughs> oh no! Every the time. Runner said, <laughs> um, um, Green shrugging off Bold's compliments at his at a sharp shooting, <laughs> and back home Green gets the news. There's a new stripe and rank. He's now Lance Corporal. There's nothing left to do but go over to Bold and lord it over him. But Bold also has a new tape, and Green storms off. I'll have him know. I'll drop him right in it. He looks so his head against the door. He's so yeah. He just stands there with his head against the wall. He's so so defeated. He thought he had won at last, and then just ripped away. Yeah, he really is a jerk. Sorry. Oh yeah. Listen, like Green's a bad guy <laughs> because, as always, like Bold is 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 unfailingly. Like friendly mm. and nice to Green, He's gracious. Yeah, yeah, tries to help him, compliments him on things, and Green's just constantly like, "Oh, I hate you!" <laughs> like tries to let him, <laughs> tries to kill him, like leaves him. He's left him behind many times, like at least like four or five times at this point. There's a subtext here I can't quite put my finger on. I don't know. <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's a subtext. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more like the, the real text. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Finally, in a coastal submarine raid, Green and Bold are separated by fire from dug-in tiger tanks uh, submerged in the sand. Um, Bold sends for reinforcements uh, and goes to find his buddy, (laughs) who spots him and tricks him into drawing enemy fire. (laughs) Absolutely. Of course. What are friends for? 
stick your head over this mound and see if you can see anybody. <laughs> um, they find the tanks, and Green uh, uses some nearby and very handy petrol browsers <laughs> to flood the sand and thereby boil the armour. Uh, but he hasn't got any matches, and Bold doesn't have any matches. And as they squabble over the fact that neither of them have any matches, the tanks are suddenly ignited by mortar fire, and the raid is over. Uh, just the mortar great- private. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, yeah. I was going to say just some great like old married couple bickering here about the match. Like that, this is pretty solid stuff right here. This is we'll, we'll, we'll be there. World War II sitcom stuff going on. Yeah. Here. <laughs> now the mortar private laps the glory. Allegedly, he took out three tanks with one shot, and he's probably going to get a medal. <laughs> Green, meanwhile, has found a match and drops it into Bolt's kit bag. The end. <laughs> I mean, as like the, sort of- the only the only end for any of these green graduates is like, oh, you two, like, don't you know you're in love? Like, kind yeah. Of things. <laughs> yeah, you're not slamming swords into each other; you're just clashing shields. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, uh, it's a fun one, man. Uh, next time, green and bold reckon they're going out to the desert. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Maybe some crossover with previous um um. Previous Hellman, uh, Hellman of Hammer Force action, I guess. <laughs> totally. Well, if he's going to be on the Eastern Front and, you know, meeting vampires, it's all open. <laughs> Everything needs crossovers. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. <laughs> More. More. Yeah. And speaking of uh, crossing over various highways and byways or whatever. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's Story 3, Hell's Highway. <laughs> by uh, Chris Lauder writing as Jack Adrian and art by Mike White, I believe. Yes. Um, so we open with ambush on the Mexican border, timely, overlooking the Rio Grande. Uh, uh, Steve and Danny uh, are stationed in their rig to intercept some wetbacks, which are illegal immigrants. I'm not sure whether we can call them that anymore. I, uh, Namely- let's find another. Let's find another term for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. This is not cool. And the fact that everybody is calling them that is not cool in the no. in the least. <laughs> I mean, for me, a wetback is a kind of stove anyway. So. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's it's a full-on, like, racial slur kind of thing yep. for, for like, like uh, Mexicans or, or immigrants from, from South Border and stuff. Like, in fact, uh, got the narration about – Yeah, expo- <laughs> I mean, you know, that's preferred – or just anything, you know, undocumented yeah. guys, whatever. But, like, just the fact that the narration calls the wetbacks is real, like, bad <laughs> – it's this is a real like like ooh that's not cool kind of situation. Uh, maybe we just call it a time capsule and just sort of leave. Yeah, it. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> like it's, time. it's definitely 1976 still. I guess totally. Yeah. But, um, um, so so they're looking for a man called George Suarez, um, and an old jalopy rattles towards them. Our hero's rig thunders across its path, uh, front ramming it. Uh, their orders from their boss Hartwell are to get Suarez, a top government narco agent, before their targeted syndicate gets him. Steve and Danny draw guns and order everybody out of the back of the jalopy and find Suarez pretty quickly as the driver stalls them unconvincingly. Oof. <laughs> really, really not good. It's bad stuff here. <laughs> is he wearing a sombrero or is it just a, like a straw hat? <laughs> I feel it's got to be a sombrero. How could it not? Like, if there's a problem, it's just because, like, like maybe Mike White isn't isn't exactly clear on what a sombrero looks like, but that's got to be yeah. what you're aiming at. It has sombrero tendencies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> a real problem with headgear this episode. Sombrero adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sombrero adjacent. Thank you. <laughs> 
Uh, but the gang has plant, uh, says plants itself in the, uh, dreamers, um, who cosh soirees and cause a human stampede. Um, with their captive, the goons take, um, the rig. So they radio, um, so our heroes radio Hartwell, uh, who just orders them to get the truck back. <laughs> All they have is Mexi- is the Mexican truck. And as the rig is too fast for them on the windy mountain road, uh, Steve slash Danny takes the wreck down cross country and this time broadsides the rig, sending it into a tree. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a Mexican standoff. Um, uh, which, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> which, which Steve goes, ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by hurtling the old truck's steering wheel at the lone gunman. Suarez is saved, uh, but the rig is a mess and they're going to need a tow. Oh, jeez. Next episode, Cave or Grave? Ooh. Yeah. Steve and Danny are radio during explosives um, delivery in Utah uh, to rescue a man called Hislop holed up in a cave nearby. Now, Hislop had been working at uh, one of the um, uh, the detonation sites, um, test sites uh, recently and had noticed something odd uh, with the staff. So he's been tracked down and has drawn too much attention to himself. It's a kill job. Uh, mm. So uh, it's Danny and Steve head out and find us uh, a wrecked old station wagon and the mouth of the cave and a Jeep bearing down on them, bulldozing the wagon into the road. Uh, they drive into the cave. It's that big and meet his lot while Danny is winged by snipers. He patches himself up inside the cave and Hislop tells him not to shoot back. The roof is very weak. So Danny and Steve hatch a plan. They lure the enemy jeeps into the cave, shoot upwards, bringing the roof down on the vehicles. Uh, but now they're trapped. But Danny remembers their load, which is explosives. Which is oh really no. Handily forgotten all this time. <laughs> which they use to clear the rock fall and finish off the baddies. Explosions fix everything, Conrad. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's my house motto. That's like my, if I was in Game of Thrones, that'd be my words. The words totally. of my family. Explosions fix everything. Um, there's nothing left uh, to destroy, really, uh, except the whole mountain coming down around the truck as it speeds out. However, it's facing the wrong way. The rest of the, <laughs> the road's blocked, so they're going to have to back all the way back down the mountain. Oh, that's just a pain. It is. It is. <laughs> After the day you've had, what next? <laughs> well, what next is that Danny and Steve leave Utah for Washington to meet with Hartwell at the secret government agency truck park. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, they arrive, and it's like a ghost town. But then they're rammed by another truck, honestly. So much. Everybody I just mean, commute. It's, it's very much one of those uh, when all you have is a hammer, like all the world looks like a nail. But it's <laughs> like sorry. instead, when all you have is a truck, the whole world looks like another truck that you can ram yep. into. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you, but I only speak truck. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so inside that truck is Hartwell and uh, Mayer. Uh, but there's a twist because this new truck is their new ride. It's a sweet ride. It's a palatial rig with hidden armory and cigarette case pocket radios, which aren't used in this episode, but are bound to be. Uh, but none of that is James Bond stuff. Oh, no. Um, I just I just love like how they just like it's such like a little kid, like kind of dream of like showing the yeah. back of the truck and like, look at all these cool guns we've got in here and stuff like that. It's really, <laughs> really great. Really like it's got like, a ladder that goes up to the back of the van. <laughs> just, yeah, it's really like a, like a sixth grade Conrad just describing my ultimate uh, big rig truck. You know, it's got a base totally. so no girls can get in. It's really awesome. So um, confession time, Conrad. I'm, I'm, my dad's actually a truckie, or was a truckie. Um, so we used to get these trucking magazines, and they were all full of these sort of spreads of people's inside oh, nice. cabs and the dog box and everything. So, yeah, this is this is legit. 
That's awesome. All I'm I'm just on the outside looking in. Like all I know is from like uh uh trucking and arm wrestling movie over the top with Sylvester Stallone where he had like a built-in oh. like exercise machine in like the cab. Oh no, 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 this is a whole this is a whole subculture, Conrad. This is my people. And <laughs> around about this time I did a wee bit of reading into of course Jewel. Uh, it was 1971, but there, there was a TV series, 74 to 76, on NBC called Moving On. Oh, okay. Uh, which is about a couple of guys and their rigs going <laughs> from adventure to adventure. Ah. Oh, so who knows? Rip-offs. <laughs> I'm, I'm so angry yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. No, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So anyway, they're, they're, the mission is in Alaska, where suspected Russian agents are entering the U.S. via the Bering Strait. It's possible. Mm. Um, the agency has a man by the name of Colson, not that Colson, yeah. uh, monitoring the rendezvous. It's spelled the same um, way too. It's awesome. Same yeah, guy. yeah. <laughs> Phil Cro- crossover confirmed. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so he's up there under the guise of a geologist, but when Steve and Danny reach their uh, rendezvous, the man who greets them is sort of shifty and clears away really quick. They find Colson's body in a shed nearby. He's been dead for some time. So they drive to the nearby town to report the murder, and they're interrupted at the sheriff's office by the arrival of the same shifty man from before. There's <laughs> definitely something up. Danny leaps out the window, glass flying, but Steve is karate chopped cold. No, get the other guy. He mustn't escape. Find him and kill him, eh? <laughs> or something. I appreciate a judo chop. That's just such yeah. uh, 1970s secret agent action involves judo chops. Definitely. If you don't have, if you don't have a kosh, you know, you've got to have a chop. Absolutely, and I I also appreciate this part at the end where uh, where one of the guys escapes and they're sure to say the name so you know which one is which because that is a challenge in Hell's Highway. <laughs> so Danny's the one with the black hair. I'll work that one out. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I just yeah. I just yeah, like you said, <laughs> Steve's like a Danny slash Steve as the name of one of them earlier in in the recap. Yep. That's what that's what I feel for all of them for sure. <laughs> We're not quite at the stage where they're distinguishing their personalities, but yeah. No. A lot of gunplay starting in this one too. Like the fact that they've got guns and stuff gives them, mm. I, I guess it gives them more options than just running their truck into everything, which is what, we, what we've seen pretty much entirely for Hell's Highway up until this point. They're about 40 years too early or 30 years too early for Ice Road Trucker action, but I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Ooh. next episode we'll see some of that. Yeah. hope. Let's hope. Absolutely. I'm ready, ready for the Alaska stuff, but- mm. Let's leave Alaska and go to for some more tropical climbs. <laughs> of course. <laughs> with story four, Hookjaw. All right, this is it. This is the big one, buddy. You got this. Yeah. Give me that Hookjaw action. <laughs> the pressure. <laughs> um, uh, we're on the tropical island of El Salvador or El Salvador or Paradise Island, <laughs> where Hookjaw has been trapped in a lagoon. And an arena has been built around it by the island's owner, Dr. Golder, and possibly TV producer John Kemp. It's going to be a blood bowl where men fight Hookjaw to the death for one million dollars. And the first to enter is Sharky, uh, the leader of the native population. Yep. Kemp gets started with a good chumming uh, for his star, Great White. And as Sharky sees the jaws of death closing in, Hookjaw is distracted by the blood and hits the pier. Some of Kemp's men fall in, and Hookjaw's just a boy who can't say no, and chows down while Kemp keeps filming. Um, onshore chief diver Rick Mason goes to help the men, uh, but Golder goes to stop him. Mason decks Golder, grabs a big knife, and dives in fully clothed. <clears throat> Good luck, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fully clothed, yeah. Um, underwater, he sees Sharky going in for the kill shot, but that Hookjaw has also seen him. 
Uh, so Mason knifes the beast in the gills, the vulnerable spot. Uh, the great white thrashes his tail and stuns Sharky, and Mason has to save him. And Kemp tells him to cut the heroics. Viewers just want blood. As Hookjaw races <laughs> to the two men, Kemp once again chucks a bucket of chum to his predatory chum. And inevitably, Hookjaw is distracted again. But this time, he remembers the pair, jumps the barrier, and purely through instinct, it says, eats Kemp midair. <laughs> It's a real free willy kind of moment, but like I was where say, the kid not gets quite free willy stuff. <laughs> not quite free willy stuff. <laughs> oh no! Would have improved that movie. Um, <laughs> this time, uh, yeah, uh, and he's out of the lagoon and gone. <laughs> um, Sharky goes to Golda to claim his prize, like a jump, uh, but Doctor Gold is not paying up. <laughs> the native leader, in fact, has orders to bring Hookjaw back alive, or every last native will be evicted from the island forever. <laughs> yeah, the fight the, the fight part at the end was like, hey, you said I had to fight Hookjaw, not kill Hookjaw. <laughs> like, I, give me the money. It's a very, um, I don't know if you remember like the first uh, Spider-Man movie where Spider-Man mm. beats uh, Bonesaw in like 15 seconds and so he doesn't get the money because you got to be in there for three minutes. You know, it's one of those, it's one of those situations. Survive three minutes. Yeah, there's a technicality. Yeah, now, but and now I'm just imagining Hookjaws having uh, Macho Man Randy Savage's voice, and I'm I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Oh, brother! Oh, yeah! Could eat these natives. I'm Hookjaw. <laughs> I hate you too, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, Golden makes good. If Hookjaw doesn't, uh, setting his men to drive the locals out of their village uh, with the uh, burning torches and everything, and into yeah. their canoes. Mason arrives and wades in, striking Golda's men. But as the brawl builds, Mason sees the natives panic out in the water and a shark fin among the canoes. But in the panic, he also sees the shark hasn't attacked yet. Mm. It can't be Hookjaw. And sure enough, the great fish beaches itself and is revealed to be a radio-controlled model built by South African engineer Vosper. I was only having a bit of fun. Ridiculous. (laughs) Completely. Everything that happens from here is justified. <laughs> uh, well, listen, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it definitely feels like a, a, a good source of fun for this sort of like late 70s, early 80s, um, using South Africans as a, as a low-calorie villain situation, for sure. Totally. It's the most evil of accents. Um, <laughs> Mason, <laughs> Mason and Sharky hatch a plan and confiscate the model, and in 10 minutes later, Vosper's mock Marco is packing heat. It's stuffed to the gills with explosives. Literally. Uh, they set it, li- yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> they set it out onto the water, and sure enough, Hookjaw spots the model and cruises in for a look. But oh no! Crazy Vosper's in the water too, clutching his model to save it. What can Mason do? If he detonates the model, Vosper will be killed. If he doesn't, Vosper will be killed. <laughs> Fortunately, Rick gives the model some juice, and Hookjaw gives chase. But as he steers it to shore, Vosper loses his grip, and Hookjaw sees him. Mason steers the model to intercept it, and it breaks on the back of the mighty great white. Vosper <laughs> <clears throat> uh, gets injured by some debris and starts bleeding. <laughs> oh, it's good oh, news no. for me. <laughs> yeah. You're fine if you don't bleed. Yeah. <laughs> Mainly. Um, Rick swims in to rescue him again, but Hookjaw takes Vosper's legs and then finishes him off. Um, Mason races to shore, and Darkie triggers the explosive- explosives uh, just in time. Hookjaw is dead. No, wait. Hookjaw right. is stunned. <laughs> oh, again. Every time. Yes. <sighs> and that's Hookjaw. 
Yeah. Oh, well, the, the final twist was that as they're sort of dusting themselves off from this, uh, uh, Dr. Gelder shows up with a camera crew to interview mm. D- Dr. Vosper. And like, they're like, all right, like there's some pieces of them still flung, floating out in the ocean. So you can talk to that, I guess. Just very like, oh man, like yet another, yet another attempted at good press by Gelder, uh, messed up by Hookjaw eating everybody involved, you know. <laughs> As Woodsworth said, lovers sharks. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, man, absolutely. All right. Next time on Hookjaw, Gilder gets bomb happy. <sighs> Explosions. Always. You know, they solve everything. We talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think, um, I know Hookjaw's been bombed a bunch of times before, so that's probably not the best answer. <laughs> it's the only way but, to read it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, you got to try new things, I guess. But before we get to the back half of the comic, let's talk about non-stories, covers, editorials, action man, and money man. So those those handwritten letters, those handwritten letters. They're so uh, like, I man, I got like feelings about them. On the scans <laughs> we have, they're real hard to read, but also like. Yeah. The writing is so steady that they're like they gotta just take a kid's letter and have someone like rewrite it or even type it up in a font or something like that. It's ridiculous. Do you find do you find them creepy? I mean, I get a real sort of Jack the Ripper vibe off them <laughs> a little bit because they're all they're always like telling jokes and they're sort of hard to make out jokes. So it's kind of like like I think this one's about like. <laughs> Like, yeah, being uh, so a dog being terrified by the hook jaw transfer. Like, I don't know. It's very like that's what it means. Oh my god, we gotta like call the police, you know. (laughs) So, just you know, issue by issue here. So, uh, prog 25 or issue 25, I should say, don't play spinball, you might finish up like this as Rico takes center stage in this death game cover. Inside, there's letters from kids scaring off dogs with hookjaw patches, like I said. A letter about mm-hmm. learning to swim, a poem about action, and then two comics from readers. One's like a puzzle with scrambled signs. The other one's about learning to swim assisted by shark attacks. Excellent. <laughs> on, the, uh, on the next page, there's another letter about shark teeth, a limerick about cabbage, and a cool piece of Running Man fan art, as well as the retur- as well as uh, Steve McManus's editorial where he says that the uh, return of the editor from Holiday means no more office football against the staff of Valiant for Steve. Boo. Boo. There's a uh, no wall questions. Money Man is headed to Cromer, I guess. And yeah, Cromer. Yeah. And there's a the second. Cromer's cr- Cromer's a, a bit of a Doctor Who punchline. It's um. Uh, but but probably not in this episode. The, <laughs> probably not an action adjacent ah. punchline <laughs> for the Brigadier Holidays. Oh, I see. Cool. Uh, mm-hmm. And then with, there's some uh, cricket, cricket batting lessons. There's also a, a, a maniac action tool, a pullomatic, which is a foot started Rube Goldberg machine for automated tooth pulling. Mm. Although in the UK you call that a Heath Robinson machine. Ooh. Uh, is it also yeah. like like powered by dropping an anvil on a cat oh, totally. and stuff? Okay, no. <laughs> all the best machines are definitely. Uh, there's a, there's an ad in the under a quid section for a new hook jaw transfer, like for your coat, and it's worth, and you kind of have to buy it from like a store. And there, yeah. one of these things that's saying like, "Hey, don't send us money. We don't want your money. Don't send it to us." Which I always love in these uh, British comics. Like, <laughs> we we don't have back issues. Stop sending us money. <laughs> well covered for it yeah um i i also like how this um hookjaw transfer actually hookjaw actually has the hook which he didn't have in the official one it was just a sort of a shark picture um mm. then uh, uh william conrad's tour of the week 
And Action Mouse once again bends space and time, stabbing himself through panel borders while practicing being a musketeer. The issue ends with some angling tips. Fish it up. <laughs> so, um, so bending space and time seems to be a thing for uh, for um, for comic mascots, as I've discovered with uh, Equal's own. Um, yeah, it's very much uh, part of Action Mouse too, where the, like it's it's where just all the jokes they have about like yeah doing stuff with comic panels and stuff. That's where the, mm. that's where these jokes are expressed in comic book covers. In yeah, it all goes all meta. Yeah, definitely. It's all comics about comics. You got to think about it. Uh, issue 26, Panzers Strike East. Big old Hellman cover. It looks like Steve had a great weekend, but had so much fun at the local fun fair. He totally messed up at his, at his cricket game. He, he, he played with his friends. He plays a lot of sports, which is kind of, I don't know, mm. an interesting thing for a comic book. Admirable. Guy, I guess. Yeah. Letters include a kid walking a mile to get a copy of Action. Dude getting hit by lightning multiple times. A joke about comb, mm. combs. A kind of a baby shark sending some <laughs> letters to Santa Jaws, which I thought was pretty good. Um, a a mm. line-based optical illusion. <laughs> and a little brother reading action in the tub. Here's <laughs> <laughs> some dad has to smash the door down. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Plus, like, for, as I understand it, like, these comics will just, like, dissolve if you get them wet. You got to be real careful about them just because of the nature of the yeah. paper and stuff. And, and the ink as well. Yeah, apparently, apparently the um, the floppies in the magazine, the Judge Street magazine, especially notorious for it. Ah, oh, interesting. I, no, I mean, I, I don't I doubt, doubt it. Yeah. it yeah. No, I, I, and I, I mean, All Might are in the computer, which you also don't want to get wet. So it's sort of, you know, fair no. play, I guess. <laughs> uh, later, Action Mouse isn't worried about getting eaten by Hookjaw. After all, he only eats humans. We get mm. a big feature on Money Man um, inhaling this issue. Mostly, um, and then uh, like sort of a picture from a recent trip, we like making fun of his car troubles, but then also a lot of pictures of him giving money to kids and stuff, which seems like it, you know, it seems like it could be a fun day if you were sort of money man hanging out on the beach giving money to kids or something like that. Um, yeah, must, must like kids, obviously. I mean, or at least like be able to deal with them enough, I guess. But I mean, I think you have to either like kids to be in like doing this kinds of comics or hate kids with a passion, like in that uh, Pat Mills book. <laughs> read, read. <laughs> and, and, and turn it into something. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this comic ends with a calendar of sports for the coming month. There's cricket, tennis, even shooting. And uh, mm, finally, Prop 27, Steve McManus. No, no, like target shooting. Oh, I guess, you know, you got to start yeah. somewhere, you know. Shoot enough targets. Next thing you know, you're out there shooting governors of states and political conventions. Ridiculous. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Steve McManus is skiing, which is a really weird phrasing for that, I thought. And we've got four of the best. Death Game, Hookjaw, Lookout for Lefty, and Hell's Highway. I don't know if mm. those are, are if I would choose those as the best, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. You've got to have a ride. I mean, mostly, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Football so, season, tank. yeah. I mean, one of you know, some, it's got to be on. It's got to be something on wheels for sure. <laughs> uh, football season started, and Steve is is stoked for it. There's letters about loving death game, a count of all the punches in Hookjaw, a kid named Conrad who's really into Hellman, which I don't know. A letter <laughs> that comes with an action word search, and a kid who avoided a car accident by going getting out of the car to buy action instead. And then, Sweet. yeah, and then I guess Steve McManus went dry skiing. It's been a while since he did one of these, like, uh, action stunts. So that's pretty cool, I think. Mm. Then uh, TV comedian Mike Reed is twit of the week. And Action Mouse sees Pete's sports shop, shoe shop, and pet shop. And all of these have big images of products hanging on them. So like a big rugby ball 
under the sports shop, and shoes under the shoe shop, and a fish under the pet shop. And then he sees a giant guy with a named Pete, and he's wearing all those big items. Big shoes, <laughs> holding a big cricket bo- or uh, rugby ball, and also a big pit- pet fish. Good job there wasn't an adult toy shop close by. Whoa, Pete's adult toys. <laughs> we don't know he did. We don't. We can't see it from the back or anything. But uh, well, speaking for Pete, you know. <laughs> then there's a a, a many a many action for a strawberry machine that uh, grows, creams, and shoots strawberries into girls' faces at three at three thousand miles per hour. Designed by a girl too. So. Yeah, it's definitely. Good. Yeah, she's sort of you know yeah. Uh, making, you know, designing technology relevant to our needs, I guess. Later, <laughs> Noel and Steve talk about what's in next week's awesome action, and Money Man thinks they've all gone crazy, and there's more cricket instructions. All right. Of course. <laughs> Just more fun stuff. I'm always like, I always like the idea of this Money Man story. You know, Steve McManus talks about it a little bit, of just sort of, you know, wandering the streets as kids try to find them in various places. It seems <laughs> it seems at at once fun and terrifying, I think. There's a dark side to it, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of things that aren't quite cricket, it's Story 5, Hellman of Hammer Force. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, writer for, for Hellman is Jerry Finley Day. Artist is Mike Dory. This Mach 1 combo. I love these guys. Or mm. Mach Zero combo. But yeah, Conrad Time on the podcast. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's 1943 and Major Kurt Hellman is on the Russian front. Somewhere a truck full of vampires is also joining them, of course. It's the last reference I'll make, I promise. Um, <laughs> Hellman works on a tank as a bunch of jerk Waffen SS guys march up and start doing training exercises with like this ramp that they carry with them. Just kind of do backflips off of, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. These SS guys, you know. Um, one of Mini them, tramp would take up less space. Yeah. You know, <laughs> German efficiency, my butt. But anyhow. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of them bumps into Muller, who's Hellman's returning Batman, who uh, lost part of his leg, I think, in, in Africa. The uh, Waffen SS guys start hazing Muller, and Hellman steps in using tank plating to block a punch and then pulls rank. Like, that's right. I'm a major. Like, back off. But Muller's ashamed for having been saved and wants to prove himself. Later, we learn that he's gone to, into no man's land to spot enemy tanks in an effort to show his courage. And Hellman rolls out to save him. But suddenly, a fleet of Russian tanks appear. Hellman tries to hide, um, and he try and t- tries to get sneaky. But he tries to hide in a farmhouse, and the doors blow open. And there's Russian tanks in there too. <laughs> Just Every- layers of tanks. Everything's full of tanks. <laughs> Tanks are full of tanks. Um, yeah, we gotta you gotta think fast here. So they blow up the farmhouse, which creates a ramp out of the roof of it, which they then use to jump the enemy tanks and go to safety. Like, of course, I just imagine it's like great. It's like I don't, I don't know if you played the Grand Theft Auto games where you like jump off a ramp and the game like goes in mm. slow motion and shows you like from a couple angles like doing the jump. But I definitely imagine mm-hmm. that happening with this tank for sure. <laughs> And that's why you carry a ramp around. Definitely. On the way home, <laughs> they uh, pick up Muller, who got a photo of that jump, which he uses just to kind of style on the Waffen SS guys. Like, look how cool my boss is. You guys just jump <laughs> off a ramp and drop the tank <laughs> off of it. <laughs> Anyhow, at last, the Panthers are ready, and Hellman leads a huge line of tanks into battle, including um, some with those jerk Waffen SS guys in them. They're, they've got huge Elefante tanks. They're really big but vulnerable to close-in attacks. 
Mm. Anyhow, battle begins. The SS guys are still jerks. They, like, blast past Hellman in an effort to get to the Russian, the Russians, and it, like, you know, they, like, mess up the the the, the uh, tread of Hellman's tank along the way, so they have to go do do repairs, and the SS guys won't stop. They just go right ahead, and they run right into a Russian ambush. A flamethrower, a flamethrower team shoots directly into the Elefante tank, burning the SS guys alive. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, yeah, grim, but also awesome. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Later, Hellman inspects the, the carnage and the Russians attack again. As he does, as they do, Hellman pulls down the unburnt SS flag and uses it to beat up and kill the Russians. He even he uses Ariel as a as a as a whip. Yeah, it's it's really great. Yeah, he's like the flags on like on like the antenna. He like beats him with him, and then he does the thing that I last saw in like a huge special effects Bollywood movie where he like tosses the flag on top of these guys and then sets fire to them, and they like burn because the of the burning flag on top of them. <laughs> it's real a lot of fiery death in this one um mm, mm. the ss colonel arrives on the scene and he's pissed that helm didn't respect the ss flag and swears revenge even though you know he used it to defeat the russians and stuff mm. yeah these ss guys i'm starting to not like them very much <laughs> <laughs> there's something about them yeah hammer force rolls out with some really awesome tank art and here mike dory doing a really amazing job Mm, yeah, it makes me want to watch Fury. Absolutely, yeah. Just more, yeah, any kind of tank thing. But yeah, Fury is a great example of that, of just, yeah, just cool tanks rolling through the French countryside. <laughs> or I guess Russian here, <laughs> but same difference, mm. I guess. Um, Hellman's once again unhappy about the presence of the SS, and he rides out to engage a force in a nearby village. The SS guys sort of stay back and call in an airstrike instead. So it's just the Panthers that uh, roll into town. But when they enter into town, the Russians pull back. But why? Who cares? And now the SS guys roll into the town as well. They're like, oh, we've taken this uh, town for Germany and all that stuff. Mm. Hel- Hellman sees two Russian soldiers on a nearby roof. And the SS officer, of course, has not to worry. But Hellman investigates and finds that they've painted a huge red star on the roof of one of the buildings, which is the symbol that the village is still Russian-occupied. And everybody now notices that their radios are jammed. And there's an airstrike coming in. Oh, yeah. The SS guys <laughs> run away, and uh, but but Helen runs for cover and gets everybody to protection as the Germans attack. Um, he's able to protect most of his men and has a plan. He has them all daub themselves with the leftover red paint from the star, so that when the Russians return, it looks like they've all been killed. But instead, they ambush the Russians. Nice. The uh, the surviving Panther teams are able to take the Russians down and secure the town. They're wiping off paint as the SS tanks return, and now they're not red but green with envy. Oh, it's a new grudge war! <laughs> it's all to do with paint pots. Always. Oh man, uh, listen. Last time there was this much red paint spilled, I had a really bad day with my Warhammer guys. I'll say that much. Uh, <laughs> next week, the tank battle rages on. Excellent. There's quite a lot of mileage to be had out of tanks. Yeah, I mean, I like the the the, the jump on the ramp was pretty fun, and mm. I do really like this sort of like I've done some tank research stuff with like the differences between like the Panthers and the Elefantes and stuff, and I did really like the uh, like flamethrowing the back of it and killing everybody inside. Like that's just real fun, and just in terms of mm. like I don't know gruesome war deaths or something like that. You know, things along mm-hmm. those lines. Yeesh. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, it's hard up there. It's World War II, you know. But mm. speaking of uh, of less famous battles, it's Story 6, Blackjack. 
<laughs> oh, blackjack. Of the bands. <laughs> it's real, like, I thought this was going to be about, like, like kung fu. I thought this was going to be a karate mm. story, but it's definitely not, or at least not, not at this point. No. The the writer's John- New career in a new town. Yeah, definitely. The writer's John Wagner, artist Trigo, and last time on Blackjack, uh, Jack Barron, former boxing champion of the world- was at a recording session when Tony Pirelli, who Blackjack witnessed murdering a fellow agent, had mob goons rigged the place with explosives. Um, oh, sorry, and like a massive electricity, um, like like an, in an in attempt to assassinate Blackjack in various ways. Mm. Um, the explosive went off, and now Jack and a bunch of studio music- musicians are trapped in a huge inferno. The door is blocked. Blackjack has an idea. He and the others grab the studio's grand piano and use it as a battering ram to break out of the studio, which is real awesome. Yeah, this is this is like the improvisation thing. Is this the whole MacGyverism of stuff? Is absolutely I think kids love that. Oh yeah, plus like just the, all those like I've always like grand pianos are so big and seemingly immovable that the idea of just like getting one going and like using it as a, as a battering ram at high speed seems really cool it's, it's like when you do that with a shopping cart like a thousand times bigger yeah and when it does its job it's musical you know absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> it plays its own soundtrack yeah no that's a real key difference between other that that and other battering <laughs> key rams. difference yeah that's right <laughs> Oh man, I'm trying to think of an ivory one, but I'm, it's, it's not no, 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 you're, uh, you're, you're an upright fella, Corey. Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> uh, I, I, I just playered myself. Anyway, uh, <laughs> once they break through the wall, the the front of the piano breaks and becomes all jagged. And when there's some mob goons out inside, so they just ram the piano right into the sternum of one of these goons, killing him. He's like Ouch. impaled on the remains of this piano. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of people being killed by piano wire, but this is ridiculous. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> um, another one gets punched in the face by by Jack Barron, which of course sticks him out as well. And soon the cops show up. Barron plays dumb, but admits uh, the truth to some to, to some studio guys. I think. Um, anyhow, back home, Jack's uh, trainers and handlers uh, Yank and Solly get a note that Jack's going into hiding, and uh, Solly has to head back to England to deal with tax stuff. So Jack is a so okay, Peter. <laughs> you're you're Black Jack Baron, right? You're you're blind, but you're also the former heavyweight champion of the world. So you're instantly recognizable to a lot of people. Um, yeah. You're on the run from the mob, and you need to lay low. So do you just kind of go to like a weird, like a small hotel in the Catskills for a while? Or, <laughs> I mean, you might think What's that. my other option? <laughs> well, your other option is to sort of you and your band buddies to uh, travel up to a rock festival in Vermont and then perform on stage in full of th- in front of thousands of people. Yeah, I think that's legit. That's got something going for I mean, I Can think, I dress yeah. up as Otis Redding at the same time? Absolutely. I, I, I insist upon it. <laughs> this is the opposite of laying low. This is like... Yeah, so Blackjack just goes to perform. Laying it out there. Yeah, (laughs) he goes to perform at a rock festival. Who should be in the crowd of the rock festival? Because he's like the musician, uh, an agent for for musical talent and stuff. But Tony Pirelli, the very guy he's trying to hide from, and Mm. uh, so Pirelli gets some Hell's Angels to do the job of taking out Blackjack. Because I guess now we're just talking about Altamont. Like whatever. No, I was going to say Holy (laughs) Altamont. It's just underlined in my notes. (laughs) Like we've we've gone from uh, the RFK assassination. Altamont, just all the great late 60s hits in action this month. <laughs> uh, Such a soundtrack to this as well. You've got like four tops. You've got Carol King. Absolutely, um, yeah. 
and 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 Marvin Gaye, all of these songs sort of creeping in. Just, just one line, if you can figure it out. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's excellent. <laughs> so the Hells Angels attack. Oh, they attack the stage as Blackjack sings. They stab the piano player. Blackjack takes a, a chain to the back of the head, but comes up punching. Hmm. Uh, he takes out two two uh he takes out us uh, some of the bikers and the musicians take out a third. Another biker tries to to uh, attack Jack, but uh he but he like by running him down with a motorcycle, but Blackjack jumps on the bike and instead the two of them fall into a nearby lake. The crowd is hmm. panicked, but a soothing sorry, but 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 a soothing song by Blackjack soon soon quells them. <laughs> to avoid the to avoid the cop the cops Jack hires on with a traveling music festival and then spends two weeks doing concerts all across the Midwest. Playing <laughs> low, I, I guess. Uh, but at the end of at the end of the tour, everybody's real tired, and the promoter sneaks away with the money. Oh no! It's a bad bad business. Uh, this is just. Yeah, this is great laying low. I got to try I got to like witness a crime so I can spend some time just like, you know, singing Keep duets hotel and stuff. the skills. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, Solly is on the plane back to England. We see that the uh, the doctor that can that could possibly save Jack's eyesight, he's still near death. And Pirelli and the, mo- and the mob are still after Black Jack. Um, oh, sorry. And the cops are now su- suspecting Pirelli for the murder. They want to talk to Blackjack about him. They sort of have him called in for questioning, which is sure to not cause misunderstandings. Mm. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Jack and the band are going after their crooked promoter who's heading to Las Vegas. But their van's broken. He, like, smashed some of the, uh, some of the wiring in it and stuff so they can't sort of drive after him. And so, and so they start hitchhiking, which, man, just four people trying to hitchhike at once just seems like a lot, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really pick up hitchhikers, and I haven't tried to hitchhike, but you got to sort of spread that out, I think. I don't think I'd pick up four. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just... Gotta a, like, <laughs> it's got to be an upper limit. Yeah, it's too much. But, they, yeah. but I mean, I don't know. What, what are we saying? Because it works. They get picked up by Gary Astral, the world-famous Cockney rock singer. <laughs> I, he offers to do a duet with Jack um, and as they sort of discuss it the mob braces Las Vegas to find uh, Black Jack and that no good promoter Ralston overhears them Black Jack and his friends uh, uh, quickly make their way to Vegas they go to Ralston's room and the promoter tries to ambush them by hiding behind a door but Black Jack smells his aftershave and ambushes him right back <laughs> doing that blind man stuff oh it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> Blind justice. Always. Oh, that's the best kind. Uh, one eye jack. Yeah. Uh, the 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 band gets the money that they that Ralston stole, and Ralston, of course, in turn informs uh, the mob on the location of Blackjack. Soon, there's a shootout in the hotel lobby, and the cops arrive. Jack Barron's wanted for questioning by the New York police, and you're coming downtown. Mm. Next time, man on the run. <laughs> It was an interesting diversion, as you say. It was not about kung fu. No, I, <laughs> or I, I arts. maybe it's because it's one of the first, like, second part, like, second s- section of blackjack just starts with him in like a gi doing martial arts, and so mm. and so. I, I think it's easy if you don't actually read them to assume that that's the whole thing, as opposed to this part, which is really about him being like a singer and going on tour and stuff. Which was actually it was part like him doing some lounging and stuff was part of the first blackjack story. Like he does it to call okay. out the Muhammad Ali stand-in and stuff. So it's, it's not completely mm. out of nowhere. I, or, I mean, 
it was out of nowhere when it happened the first time, but now it's sort of established that Blackjack can sing, I guess. <laughs> and of course, these days, you know, everybody's got a brand. Everybody's doing different things. They're, 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 they've got a line of handbags and oh, yeah. they do uh, movies, you know, produce movies, and they've got a record contract and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, if they if- yeah, if this was modern, like uh, Blackjack would be on Instagram, like selling handbags and nutritional supplements, uh, and be like it'd a, be yeah, influencing all the way. Yeah. Totally, yeah, one hundred percent. It'd be on the run from the mob while doing SpawnCon. Honestly, I'd, <laughs> I'd follow that Instagram account. I feel like that's a good like hook. It'd be for- it'd be, it'd be live blogging his uh, his his COVID existence <laughs> on on the run from the mob. We'll tweet through it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And uh, speaking of of a of a talented young athlete trying to make their way in the world, it, story seven: Look out for Lefty. <laughs> Writer Tom Tully, artist Barry Mitchell, and uh, Tony Harding. It's um, a football story, <laughs> always. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Kenny Lefty Lambton, he's injured his right foot previously. He's hiding it from the trainer on the Wigford Rovers because he's trying to make it onto the amateur team. Uh, he covers this by saying that another player elbowed him and play resumes. Lefty dummies the defender accused of elbowing, passes to another player, gets the pass right back to his right. And so he's forced to contort his whole body to make the shot with his left, which is a deadly foot. And he does. He makes this, he makes these scores the goal. <laughs> uh, the game continues, but eventually the ball is defle- uh, a ball is deflected directly to his right foot again. Lefty to do some like crazy, like juggling moves again to score with his left foot. And these moves, which are basically designed just to hide his injured right leg, are also making him look like an amazing, like ultra stylish player to the coach, convincing mm-hmm. convincing the coach, who is also the dad of Lef- of Lefty's new girlfriend Angie, that he's worth being on the team. Uh, Angie tells Lefty this, and he immediately steals a throw in, scores a goal so hard that it breaks through the net. The game seems to be won. Uh, and Lefty's carried carried around on the team's shoulders just in time for Mr. Gosling, the headmaster at his school, to come bursting out covered in paint and full of anger because they locked him in a paint room last episode. Sort of a whole thing. <laughs> wow. Um, le- I'm getting serious Thunderbolt and Smoky flashbacks here. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like all these ones. I mean, even like when the uh, Sports Not for Losers, like the, uh, the, the track one um, that mm-hmm. was earlier in action. Because they're just sort of high school sports, they really feel very – all these feel the same. But, I mean, Thunderbolt and Smokey, mm. especially because that was also Tom Tully, right? So Of course, yeah, it's yeah. All, all these crossovers. Yeah, but, of course, this is dirty football. There's, there's falls, there's fouls. Oh, there's yeah. <laughs> Everybody's just like – yeah, it's it's no holds barred ultimate, ultimate, ultimate soccer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lefty gets dropped by the people carrying him as the refs shout um, – sh- 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 shout at those kids and angie's goes to take care of that no good gosling he tries to push past her and she pretends that he punched her in the stomach and nearby adults get angry with just basically getting revenge on this teacher for all the years of corporal punishment that they also suffered it seems like (laughs) (laughs) the game is still on i guess his boots are being put to mr gosling he's just like kicked out on his butt um, lefty scores a fourth goal this one bounced off the heads of a pair of defenders his right leg's really there. yeah he's just <laughs> i've been one of those hits <laughs> oh disrespectful yeah. <laughs> his, his his right foot's really hurting him now but quick thinking by angie gets um uh blames that injury on the kids that dropped him from carrying him around earlier and he's able to get some medical attention and sit out the rest of the game which they finally win five to zero 
Lefty's awarded like the captain's trophy for his awesome play, and he's hired on as an apprentice for the Wigford Rovers at a princely sum of ten quid a week. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Things seem great until Lefty and Angie arrive at Lefty's junk shop, and his gramps is being taken away by an ambulance with a bloody head wound. Mm. Yeah, no good. All this stuff with gramps is always really depressing, I gotta say. (laughs) I, I know it's supposed mm. to be comic relief, but like this guy is not able to take care of himself and it sucks that he's nope. like Lefty's guardian, you know, like that's bad stuff. He, yeah. He needs at least 10 pounds a week to just, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just surviving. <laughs> Cause he's also got to pay for like his great at having, having crazy schemes and stuff. Mm. Um, so it looks like Gramps just hurt himself falling off a ladder, reaching for more potato wine and like mason jars, which can't be good either. <laughs> <laughs> the cops are taking Gramps to the hospital, but he doesn't want to go. Lefty agrees to run the shop while he's gone, getting his aunt Betty to handle most of the uh, action for a few days. He's only got five more days till he's out of school, and and he'll and, and he'll be ready to start doing soccer full time or football full time. In class, we learn that known jerk Sid Smythe is, of course, going to uh, to play on the on a Birmingham City, a Division One uh, team. And jealous Mister Gosling sets up a match: teachers versus senior boys. This is going to go well. Yeah, the game starts, and Gosling's clearly just playing to kick the crap out of Lefty. He just kicks him right in the knee, elbows him in the gut, and then because he's a true coward, he doesn't even join the wall on the penalty kick. (laughs) (laughs) Lefty doesn't mind, though, because he just kicks the ball straight into Gosling's stomach, like, on on the kickoff, and, you know, that's... He bends it, yeah. yeah, He just takes (laughs) care of Gosling. He just, like, starts... He just, like, spends the rest of the game, like, throwing up, basically, because he's been hit so hard. Um, Gosling swears revenge, of course. A lot of revenge swearing, as always. And the students mm-hmm. win 12 to nothing with Lefty scoring 10 goals. <laughs> Take that, <laughs> teachers. Uh, school ends and Lefty joins the team, but it's not all sunshines and lo- sh- sunshine and lollipops. He's got to like take care of people's gear and clean showers and do all that stuff. Just grunt work around the, uh, around the stadium for the rest of the team. Plus there's that revenge. Plus there's revenge. And he's got to take care of the junk shop. And he's got to, like, date Angie and stuff. And he's got to, like, train. <laughs> he's just going to be real busy. Um, next time. He's being idle. Yeah. Next time, Lefty finds out it's all go playing for Rigford. Nice. <laughs> you know, just some standard soccer stuff. But I think this one's pretty fun. Like, I don't know. I, I I like Lefty. I think he's fun. And I like Angie a lot as well. Like, his girlfriend is always, like, helping him and has various, like, schemes to strong arm him to success and things like that. And, and the artwork tells the story well enough. You know, there is an art to doing. As, as you know, there's an art mm-hmm. to doing sports um, comic strips. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, and, and and a good one does the job really well. <laughs> Photo strips? I don't know. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do really appreciate that um, as opposed to some of the, the sports strips in like 2000 AD, like, like Lefty's really like, all right, like we got to tell this story, but we're going to tell it through a football game instead of mm. like going in and investigating something out off the pitch or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's mm. sort of you know, that that's that that's a problem I, I've had with a bunch of like with like um Inferno and like Mean Arena especially where it's sort of like all right like we've got these games but there's also a lot of off field stuff that we've got to do that sort of takes away from it I thought yeah yeah I don't know sports strips always remain a novelty for me so I know they're boring for people who have sort of you know <laughs> who've grown up with them but for me it's like whoa this thing's about sports that's awesome I don't even like sports but I want to read about it you know. <laughs> Uh, plenty coming up in you. <laughs> I, yeah, I suppose so. And speaking <clears throat> of a crazy out of control sports action, 
It's Story 8, Death Game 1999. Finally. Last. I remember 1999. Ah, yes, the distant future. Um, I will say I've been listening back to some of the earlier uh, episodes of Space Spinner 2000, and I didn't realize that there's actually um, a crossover or not but like a mention of Spinball in one of the early Harlem Heroes episodes. Ah. They go to they go to like this, uh, you know, this uh, museum of sporting history. Um, it's a really great like Dave Gibbons, like like full page page of all these all these sports memorabilia. I think I think my favorite one is there's like boxing champions and like one's Muhammad Ali and one's like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a whole there's there, there's a section of that uh, Hall of Fame that that's about spinball, which is a reference to uh, to Death Game, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, you say spin spinball, and it just makes me think of um, uh, swing ball, which is our word for tetherball. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I, it's it, it <laughs> quite I, a different game. Yeah, it's 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 very much called spinball because the game's basically pinball but played with like motorcycles and hockey equipment. So it sort of mm. comes from there. But it does sound like something that. Um, yeah, that could be played in a playground either. Yeah, with the tether ball or like with that, like 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 a four square board or something like that. I don't know. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so a uh, writer for for Death Game, <laughs> yeah. Oh, always. I mean, that's what this one is. Super heavy. <laughs> um, writer for Death Games, Tom Tully, artist is Costa of the Gioletti Agency. So, uh, proto Judge Dredd, uh, Joe Taggart versus Rico versus uh, Rico action here. I love that. Just that their name, Joe and Rico. So it's sort of presages like the, uh, mm. the Judge Dredd story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, there's a cyber, like, so Rico's a cyber zombie. He's sent to kill Carson City team captain Joe Taggart. Rico bursts into the spearball gear house where Joe is checking equipment. Joe quickly figures out what's going on. He starts fighting back. And luckily, the gear house is a great place to fight. It's full of, like, spinball gear. Yeah. He uh, he hits the monster with hockey sticks and drops a load of spinballs on him, which are basically just giant ball bearings. Mm. But despite being covered... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like big shots, honestly. <laughs> um, but despite being covered in, like, a ton of metal, the beast gets back up. Oh, no. And then he starts to <laughs> choke the life out of Joe. With no other option, Taggart grabs the machine panel in the chest of Rico's cyborg body and starts punching hard into a big, like, you know, opening full of transistors and stuff. Mm. Luck- luckily, 1999's cyborg uh, craftsmanship is as bad as you'd expect it to be. <laughs> Rico <laughs> soon- broke a few circuit boards. <laughs> Absolutely. And so Rico soon leaves his body malfunctioning. The other spinball players find Joe unconscious and uh, they're pissed because he was the one guy who could have won the spinball games and gotten them all released. Although I will say initially I was confused about this. I thought that uh, Rico had been killed here and everybody was Mm. pissed that Taggart had killed Rico because his like death, you know, murderous ways was the only ways was the only way they were going to win. And I was like, whoa, that's like pretty dark. But no, they're actually just sad that Taggart's dead. That they think Taggart's dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, the prisoners start to riot because Taggart won't be able to free them. Um, anyway, you know, riot time. Ta- uh, Rico mm-hmm. staggers back to the prison box. Bosses, the circuits in his chest on fire. Technicians, like, try to work on him. But, you know, he's a rampaging cyber murderer. You, you can't really get close enough to kind of get your soldering iron in there to try to fix him. Um, <laughs> and you can't get the parts anymore. Plus, there's a plus there's a prison riot. Yeah, there's no radio shacks. But uh, there's a prison riot going on. We, we got to deal with that. The guards use incendiary rounds, setting guys on fire. But they're no match for skilled spinball players and their deadly sports equipment. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have motorcycles with spiked wheels that can go up walls and shoot spinballs oh, at a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, that seems reasonable. Why not? Um, <laughs> prisoners are We've pouring. We've got this boiling water. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, the prisoners are pouring out to attack. Yeah, word smells start scalding them with the hot water cannon, which honestly could be relaxing when you think about it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Joe yes. Taggart comes to. He learns the riot and runs out, tells everybody to cool out because he's okay. Um, this doesn't really seem to start the fighting and Joe heads out to the rock yard and the guards let him be because it's, you know, they're sort of fine with them just having a big final battle between Joe and Rico. Just leave him alone. Oh, yeah. Just, they'll fight it out. They'll settle it. It's like, you know, I don't know. Like I've, I've been in fights with my brother where I think my, my parents were like this. Like, just let them fight. <laughs> you know, that'll settle it and they'll be quiet for a while. Let them fight. <laughs> yeah, full Godzilla action. <laughs> so, one of the players, Hendrix, uses a, a spinball bike to take out a guard tower that was uh, shooting, like, the incendiary bullets at them. Dies a hero. <laughs> and But the, uh, the army is being called in, complete with flamethrowers, to deal with the riot. And Joe goes to confront Rico. And they fight in another sort of, like, cool fighting place. The, uh, the rock yard in the back of the prison. Mm. It's a good place to fight because it's got giant rocks that Rico can toss around. Uh, Andre the Giant in uh, the Princess Bride style. You know, his way's not very sporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> it's also got big sledgehammers that that uh, Joe can use to whack Rico in the arm with. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Rock hammer. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So uh, Joe, Joe hammers Rico and sends him flying off the side of a giant cliff, which is also a good feature for a fight, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rico flies off the cliff, lands in a in a in a in a swampy bog, and a combination of his cyborg body being made of metal and really heavy, so that he can't swim. And I just feel like just the water going into his circuitry and exploding a little bit means that mm. Rico dies a watery death. Very Solomon Grundy. Very, yeah, cool. It sort of dissolves into the water. Don't let me die, but he does. Yeah. <laughs> So um, wow. <laughs> the army is uh, the army. And the prisoners are sort of facing off across the yard. They're about to sort of start fighting each other when suddenly Taggart runs between them. He tells them to stop fighting and proves that he's killed Rico by showing them his but Rico's bloody bionic hand. The riot is ended, and Joe says he can still win the spinball league if they'll just let him run the team. <laughs> what team? But what, yeah, there's literally three guys <laughs> left. <laughs> Yo-Yo and Meat Seven Face aside, Malone the only survivors. <laughs> yeah. So next time on Spinball, can Joe get another Spinball team together? Ooh, I sure hope so. Ooh, it's, we're going to have a making the team montage. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's one of the, like, that's the thing is that they kind of went straight from Joe, you're on the team, to uh, screw that, we're bringing in Rico, the cyborg murderer, to replace you real fast. We only really had one re- recruiting thing. So, yeah, I'm hoping for a big um, big recruiting montage here coming up. Mm. Like, I, I, I need that so much. Just any kind of montage is always real good. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Peter Adamson of Where Eagles Dare, we have completed this these issues of action. Oh yeah. Hooray. Awesome. <laughs> and that means we only have one thing left to discuss, and that's what were your top and bottom thrills. Or stories, I guess. Ooh. Oh yeah, sure. Um top. Um It's gotta be Dredger. Nice. Yeah. 
because <laughs> it's so completely implausible. Um, and as I say, we, we've just started one-eyed Jack and Eagle, uh, and I can see a certain kinship, and uh, we're enjoying the, the the madness of that as well. So Dredge is like coming home, uh, just a little bit scarier. <laughs> awesome. And, and, and what's your bottom? bottom? Yeah. Yeah, bottom. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, look out for Lefty. I, I wasn't completely engaged by it, but it had really good artwork. As I said, it really tells its story well. Mm-hmm. Um, Blackjack, um, I could actually quite enjoy that sort of diversion. Uh, look, I think I might have to give it to Greeny. It's just a little bit formulaic. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable thing for for Green. It's definitely. It just seems like yeah, it's 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 it's, it's simply the same couple jokes over and over again of you mm-hmm. know them bickering or Green having a plan, but then the plan not you know being foiled somehow, or you know Green thinks he's got ahead, but in fact it's Bold that's done better or something like that. It's absolutely. sort of seventy sitcom, you know, Roadrunner. Yeah, absolutely. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, um, I can't go by um, uh, early Ballard and Alley art. It's, it's 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 still cool. It's true. Yeah, I mean, it's a good it's a, it's a good job. Like even the uh, even the bad stuff still has, or even the sort of like least thrilling stuff still has some things to recommend it in the in its mm. era for sure. I think it's a, a a good place to be in. Absolutely, cool. Um, for me, uh, I'm going to agree with you on Dredger for sure. Just like. I had a I had a lot of thoughts about this dredger these dredger stories and ended up really enjoying them. <laughs> Just to be, you know, a roller coaster for you. <laughs> absolutely, um, Hookjaw is right up there too. There's just this one part of this uh, like TV producer like talking about ratings as he like throws uh, bloody chum into the pool that feels like. <laughs> there's a lot of metaphors going on in there. Oh know? yeah, yeah, there are layers. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, definitely as much layers as a story about a murderous shark can have. So I, I, I yeah. appreciate that one quite a bit. Um, that's a very, <laughs> very close second as those two always are. Um, hmm. I guess, I think I'll join you. Um, oh, no, I'm going to say Hell's Highway um, is, is my bottom. Um, don't really care for Hell's Highway. Can't really t- always have trouble telling the difference between these two guys. Um, some racism in this one I, I really don't appreciate. True, and, um, true. You know, as much as they just are, just sink, just sink at the trucks, Conrad. You'll be fine. Yeah, sink I mean, I, as much as I like <laughs> trucks and like being shown a cool one with a big arsenal and then blowing things up to solve all your problems, it can't like help the other things that are wrong about Hell's Highways. So that one goes in the bottom for me. <laughs> you need, you need to, you need to immerse yourself in the world of battle truck. Ooh, yeah, so, okay, uh, yeah. No, that's something it's I'm, a, it's I'm, a, I'm, I'm checking classic out. Classic New Zealand film. Ooh, <laughs> truck exploitation. Right. Yeah. Whoa, that's a genre I can get behind. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, thanks oh, for having me on. That's it's, it's been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Is uh, feel free to contact us at spacespinner two thousand at gmail dot com. The two thousand eighty forums or our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Twitter at spacespinner two k. Everything else that was spacespinner two thousand. We should be there. Peter, where can we find Where Eagles Dare and your and any other uh, projects you have? <clears throat> yeah, so you can find a Where Eagles Dare. Um, uh, we uh, are on iTunes. And um, uh, we're also, I believe, on, well, definitely on SoundCloud. Uh, we have a web, a, a web presence on Facebook, uh, just where Eagles Dare, and we also tweet uh, at SofaGeddon. Um, and you can email us uh, at SofaGeddon at gmail.com and we're on WordPress, uh, SofaGeddon.wordpress.com. Uh, so we're everywhere. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, come I, along and join us. Absolutely. I, I really recommend your show. I think it's really great. And just another one, you know, if you like Space Spinner and Space Spinner Reaction, then you'll like Where Eagles Dare as well. You know, we're all sort of the same. In a, in, a, in a very similar wheelhouse, sort of recapping these British comics, and it's one of the and mm. Where Eagles Dare is one of the shows that I re- I I listen to a ton, and I always look forward to new episodes. Absolutely, thank you, Connor. I appreciate it. Oh, of course, that's, that's awesome. yeah. Uh, and then yeah. come ba- come back next time as a uh, dredger heads to the Acid Garden, green and bold, a deer deal with a general. Um, Edgeville is out for Taggart's blood in Death Game. Mason goes toe to toe with Hookjaw. Lefty's Gramps is missing. Blackjaw settles this mob business. And Hellman dices with death. And until then, I'm Conrad. They're here, and we are Space Spinner Reaction. Splendid. 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 Splendid.